Meditation. It's one of those things that if you do it already, it's probably helping you tremendously in getting through the challenges unique to the pandemic. If you don't already meditate, you might be wondering how to start. My guest, Tammy Cayusius, can help. I've known Tammy since law school. She's the owner of Cayusius Law and the owner of Inner Space Yoga Supplies. Tammy has represented businesses for over 20 years. She also restructured, reorganized, managed, and ran a yoga studio. I caught up with her earlier this week and I asked her how the practice of meditation affects her law practice. this question I think about this a lot and part of the reason I think um, I think about it is because I expected at some level that meditation and yoga those were things that I did on the side but you know the real thing I did is I practiced law and I kind of expected that I would have I'd be calmer or you know be happier, have a more general uh, positive equanimity, like an ability to deal with the stresses, really. It was stress-based that I kind of came to some of these practices in terms of really came to them as started developing what I call a personal practice. Because to some extent, like a lot of people, I've been messing around with them for decades then at some point I developed a more stable, personal, pra- rooted practice, you know, daily practice. And anyway, I, I still thought those were things that would just help me manage the stresses of a parent who, you know, I was helping be one, one of the caregivers and starting my own law firm and all those kinds of things. And so at that point that I started practicing yoga and all these meditation methods and part of the breathing practices and all these steps of yoga because we ran teacher training programs in the yoga studio that I owned and I participated and organized like six of them so it was kind of a real uh, intense study time but I started noticing how I would in my law practice how it would start seeping in and of course in retrospect, why wouldn't it? You know, it's a whole human being. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my whole person to all these places. It's not like I'm bringing parts, but my controlling mind thought, well, the, and this is this segmented part of me, and this is this segmented part. So I thought somehow that that wouldn't happen, or I wasn't expecting it. So I think about it a lot, Tracy, because it surprised me. And I remember being, you know, one of my first aha moments with, with this is I was on a conference call. We had like five people, and it was getting pretty heated. And it was something related to something gone wrong or we're trying to, I can't remember the specifics, but everybody was kind of going at it. And this was all lawyers. And as a lawyer, you know, this isn't that unusual. We have these experiences that can be heightened that sometimes non-lawyers aren't really as equipped for. So we're kind of used to the confrontation of it. But anyway, I noticed somebody said something and 
something about my awareness and in retrospect, I attribute it to these practices. I had this sort of flush and or a kind of response, an immediate response. And in that moment, it was a, a, a clarity that, oh, this is going on. I'm reacting at a level that I wasn't quite clued into before. And if someone had asked me, like, rationally, why did you respond a certain way? I would give a rational answer. But there was something underneath that uh, in that case. There was something underneath it that my inner motivation of how I might respond may not match what I might think I am doing. And so that was a real aha moment. And now I've noticed in general, I practice with more clarity. I'm more able to address what I'm doing more clearly. Uh, and so I'm more aware. And it's not that, you know, anger doesn't come up or uh, the desire to be right doesn't come up. And it's not that I denounce those kinds of things. It's just that I'm clearer and I'm more able, I feel like, to accomplish goals and recognize what's really going on with inner motivation. And so, I, you know, I don't know if that's responsive, but it was a real eye-opening experience for me that there's something going on under the surface and I might as well get to know what it is because I got to live with me for as long as I'm alive. I might as well get to know, get to know her, you know? So I feel like it's affected me in that way. And I feel like it's largely been positive. You know, there's some flip sides of that too, Tracy. And that is that I'm not always able, I'm not, I'm not always at ease or in alignment. I should say it that way. I'm not always in alignment with all clients. And in the past, I may have not recognize that. And now I'm like, you know, the energies aren't right, or this isn't the right, this isn't suited. Somebody else would better suit you than me. Uh, this, this, so that's been kind of interesting because I'm more apt to pick what I want to do so that I feel an alignment. And for me, that's often been an alignment with the individual's uh, which is interesting representing businesses. You know what I mean? How awesome is that, Tammy? Sounds like an increased awareness all the way around. But Tammy, let me ask you this. Um, with millions of us social distancing right now, I think it's common to feel cooped up, anxious, even sad. And, you know, we know that meditation is good for us mentally and physically, but Maybe we don't necessarily know how to start. Any advice? You know, it's someone who wants to get it's started. It's another great question. I've, uh, it's, I've had my own sort of history and path with meditation. And I think for someone who has never had a formal meditation practice, and let's talk about it like a formal meditation practice where you sit somewhere and it can be in a chair. It doesn't have to be on the ground, but you sit, you are quiet and you are focused on this time. So a formal meditation practice. Uh, if you've never done it before, there's so much out there now. And 
I would say the first step is to help develop what I call a broad base of attention. So to help or a stable, let's say a stable base of attention more than broad so that you notice your habit patterns of attention jumping from thing to thing, uh, you know, one like riding horses, switching midstream. To some extent, simply noticing your mind doing that is probably the best practice. And then there's a question of method. You know, there's tons of methods out there and in some ways, if you're just starting out, there's something to say for what resonates with you. Start out with what resonates with you. And maybe that's a person like, OK, yeah, that person resonates with me. So you practice in a way in which you're more likely to keep doing it. And uh, there's all kinds of reasons why we're attracted to some things and not other things. And there's a certain amount of trust that, well, for this point in my life, if I seem to gravitate towards a particular way or person, I'm going to let that happen. You know, let's go for that. Instead of thinking, oh, there's something better out there. If I go down this path, then I'll never get off this path. Like trust that the pathway is there. But if I had to say one recommendation, it would be stable bases of attention, developing that and mindfulness, which is so prevalent right now. So you can find a lot on it. Now, in my experience, those practices relate to strengthening in a certain way that the mind works, but the mind works in many different ways. It's, and so uh, meditation practices ideally would allow each of us to accommodate or understand the fullness of our human heart, you know, the, the broadness, the different ways we show up. But for a first step, I guess that would be it. Stay, help yourself to start developing a stable base of attention, which usually means mindfulness practices. It can be as simple as keep bringing your attention back to the breath you know, lovingly bring your attention back to the breath. If you notice your attention has gone off for some people, it's counting for some people it's noting they'll notice thought, thought, feeling, feeling. So those kinds of things and all of those are definitely all over the internet. You can find a lot of information, guided meditations, all kinds of uh, resources for that. But I would say that'd be a great first step. Well, that's a wonderful way of explaining it. And you remind me of one of the first times you ever explained what mindfulness and noticing really was. I'll never forget you used the analogy of a monkey jumping from limb to limb. And that really stayed with me. And, you know, that's that's not the only time you've taught me something about meditation, Tammy. Recently, you've introduced me to a concept called koan. And I've joined a couple of your Zoom sessions, which I just found extremely enjoyable. And I just wondered if you could talk to us for a, for a few minutes about someone who maybe already has had some experience with a, with meditation, uh, has tried it, or maybe has an established meditation practice, and any advice you can give about a Zoom session or anything you could share with us about what is this koan meditation and what um, is that about? Well, thank you for asking, and we've loved having you because I feel like that is a wonderful practice. 
in in general for beginners or experienced meditators. And I also am finding it my own self, you know, in this time, this very strange pandemic time that the it's very nourishing, you know, for me to be able to meet with folks once a week for a period of time and know that we can share the time. But one of the, uh, that form of meditation has, I, I learned it from some folks out in California. I had, when I owned the, my yoga studio, I'd brought a teacher called John Tarrant to Knoxville and we did several uh, weekend sessions on koan meditation. And koans themselves are an ancient practice that arose out of China in very difficult times. Um, when it, it, it comes out of a Buddhist tradition from China and it arose because teachers at that time who wanted to share their understanding of what we might call, you know, our true nature, one's true nature. They wanted to share that understanding and they felt like times were so tough and grim that they needed an immediate way to help people who maybe haven't studied this stuff, you know, aren't scholars or aren't monks or aren't people that have devoted their lives to, to spiritual traditions. They wanted to get across these ideas of the radiance and and spaciousness that each of us are inherently a part of kind of like non-duality if we were going to get sort of tech technical about a term there and so koans arose and they're like sayings or phrases that have helped people wake up to their nature and then through the years they've developed a more stratified or private I would say even secret way of practicing. And when we say through the years, we're talking, you know, through the thousand five hundred years, through a long period of time. And uh, these folks and other folks, too, are practicing it with them in a more relational, open way. And so when you and I have practiced these together, you just sit for, for a while and somebody reads out a koan. So the, this phrase a phrase or a uh, saying that has an element of awakening to it. And you sit with that and you don't necessarily have to instruct on any particular way for people to relate to it because people are going to have their own experience. And that's a really big part of any path. You know, recognize your experience. Don't discount your own experience. Um, and then we share afterwards, we share, you know, to the extent people are willing, they share their experience with the con. And so for me, it's a really nice combination of a deep listening, deep sharing practice combined with the, with a, a, a meditative practice, like a meditation practice. And so that's sort of the origin of how it's come to me. And so that's the origin of our groups where we've been sitting more recently with the pandemic and also in Knoxville before when we were all in the flesh, you know, we were sitting this way for over five years and it's a, it's a beautiful practice. I'm interested in your experience with it because you just sort of jumped into it and had no, no exposure to it really. 
Well, I can say that I underestimated the value of connectedness that it would bring to me right now. I had no idea how much that would mean to me. And it has meant so much during these times to have that sense of connection. And I really thank you for that. And Tammy, I just thank you for the role you've played, a very integral role in my meditation journey, but also just for what you brought here today to today's podcast by sharing your insight and your advice. Thank you, Tammy Kusius. And please join me again. Uh, I'd love to talk with you more. I think it has been such a value for our listeners. And I hope that you will take care, stay safe. Oh, thank and stay you, well. Tracy. Thanks for considering me. And also thank you for, you know, we're teaching each other all the time. Finally, here are a couple of apps that might be helpful if you're just getting started or if you've been meditating for years and you're just looking for ways to change up your practice. I love Headspace. I use that app every morning right when I wake up and I just do a 10-minute guided meditation every day. And then another one that I love and I end every day with is the Ananda app, which is Deepak Chopra's meditation. There are so many different options out there. These are just a couple of my favorites. I hope that this episode has been helpful and I hope that you'll join me again next Friday for another podcast on sharing life skills that I've learned as a lawyer that I hope are especially helpful to you during this time. 